0: I am not, not scared. Look out, man! The Koozie Show. Welcome to The Koozie Show with Grant Serapo. The Koozie Show. We're back. Hey, we're back. On this episode of The Koozie Show, we're going to talk about some NFL storylines. Storylines across the National Football League. Then, as usual, we'll reflect on, oh my gosh, the poor excuse of an NFL franchise. The Detroit Football Kittens, we're going to look at the Lions. And then we're also gonna take a second, get a little update on the stones, the pistons. Detroit Basketball! What the heck have they been doing? Let's find out. Then, for all you fantasy nerds out there, myself included, we're gonna see who's available on the waiver wire. And last but not least, as usual, per routine, I'm going to give you my NFL picks. Really good stuff gonna be good all right here we go storyline coaches on the hot seat few coaches on the hot seat it's week four in the nfl what does that mean fans want coaches fired duh i know i do and i know you do first of all let's look at the obvious jim caldwell the detroit Lions. all my detroit fans know and want jim caldwell to get fired he's got to get fired He's starting the season 1-3. He started the season last year 0-5. Oh my goodness. He's got to go. The team's in utter disarray. They're not any better. They're probably worse. Which is wild. He's got to go. Will he get fired in the middle of the season? Maybe. We'll put uh, first-year general manager Bob Quinn up to the test and see if he actually pulls the trigger in the middle of the season. See if he's got any guts. Or if he has any pull. Regardless, he'll get fired at the end of the season should he not get let go in the midst of this atrocious performance by the Detroit Football Kittens. Chuck Pagano, the Indianapolis Colts. What's going on with Indianapolis? Granted, they don't have the best roster, but they weren't any good last year. You had the excuse that Andrew Luck had been plagued with a few injuries. This year, however, front office is absolutely insisting that there's uh, nothing wrong with Andrew Luck. Well, then there's something wrong with the coach um, and the Colts because they're not any good. They're not good at all. The only win they have comes against um, injury-plagued San Diego Chargers team, which leads me to my next coach on the hot seat, Mike McCoy of the San Diego Chargers. Not good. Mm. The San Diego Chargers, they're one in three. They're not looking good. Granted, they've been plagued with injuries. Keenan Allen out for the season. Also, uh, Danny Woodhead as well out for the season. But... The Chargers are just letting games slip away that they should be winning. And when that's happening, when they're losing close games, i got to blame it on coaching. Because if they have the personnel to keep them in the game, but then fall short, can't blame the GM for that. you got to blame the coach. They lost to the Saints last week. They totally blew it. Should have won that game, winnable game. They lost to the Indianapolis Colts, which I just talked about. Another terrible team. They were at home. They should have been able to beat the Colts at home. They're just not that good. Captain Bolo, YOLO, Bolo, his time might be up. But regardless, that'll be for a new coach to decide. Because Mike McCoy, he gone! Now let's take take a gander at one coach that might not be so obvious. Or you think about it and... (gasps) Are you serious? Sean Payton, right? A very well-respected head coach throughout the league. But he is on the hot seat. I mean, I would think he's on the hot seat. Because they still got Drew Brees down there. They still got some offensive weapons. And this team is not looking good. Not looking good at all. So somebody's got to go. Whether it's the GM or whether it's Sean Payton. The second year in a row where New Orleans is really just underachieving. And I don't see it getting any better. I think this might be Sean Payton's last hurrah. Guys that are going to be safe this week. By the skin of their teeth. We'll start with Jacksonville Jaguars head coach Gus Bradley. Or should I say, the London Jaguars head coach, Gus Bradley. For whatever reason, Jackson always seems to show up and win a close game in London. That's two years in a row. They came back, beat the Chiefs last year. Now, boom. Who do they beat? The Colts. (laughs) Another terrible team. Doesn't really say much, but it gives the uh, franchise and organization an excuse not to fire Gus right now. So they saved, you know, they saved him for a week and now they're on a bye week. So they can sit in the lap of luxury, reflect on this horrible win and, uh, you know, possibly make it out in their minds to be bigger than what it was. It wasn't any good, but they, uh, then they have a bye week. They'll rest up, come back, maybe gain some momentum, uh, for week six. Another guy on the hot seat who could have potentially been on the hot seat, but safe this week and probably for the rest of the season. Cause what did he do? His name's Rex Ryan and he beat the New England Patriots in Foxborough. Just like when Jim Caldwell beat the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field last year. That sort of puts you on holy ground. That kind of makes you safe for the remainder of the season. When you do something like that, it's almost like winning the Super Bowl when you're a terrible franchise. Not to say that Buffalo is that terrible. They are in uh, recent history. But overall, they're a decent franchise. I'm, I'm more about it. I'm more, uh, you know, I'm scorned. Speaking about the Lions. But yeah, Rex Ryan's safe. Because Buffalo is now two and two. They started out terrible, zero and two, with a first year offensive coordinator, switched it up, made the offense way too complicated, wasn't looking good, and Rex Ryan actually did what a good head coach is supposed to do, identified an issue in the coaching staff that was an issue and clearly an issue having gone two and zero since firing that offensive coordinator. He fired him. on. He's out of here. Kudos to you, Rex Ryan, for having the balls to make a good decision to fire your offensive coordinator and turn your season around. Now they're 2-2. Two and two. Buffalo season doesn't look that bad at all. After week two, it was looking like a disaster. It was looking like the Chargers, looking like the Colts, looking like the Lions, and looking like the Saints. But it's not anymore. He's turned it around. Sexy Rexy is back. Yeah! And he just uh, flipped uh, Bill Belichick the finger. Woo! Flipped him the bird. So that's the hot seat. Couple NFL coaches, definitely on the hot seat. Couple NFL coaches, avoiding the hot seat. What else is going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on with the Carolina Panthers? You got knocked the fuck out, man. Hey, young man, you got knocked the fuck out. Look, I'm here to tell you, don't panic. Is their secondary worse since losing Josh Norman? Yes, it is. But you don't need to panic. And that's what everybody wants to do. They want to have a knee-jerk reaction due to four weeks of action and a one-in-three start with the Carolina Panthers. Let's analyze. These three losses have been at the hands of the NFL's top two defenses in the league right now. Top two defenses in the NFL. Loss number one against the Denver Broncos week one in Denver. So a away game against top two defense in the league. And they lost. Their defense wasn't as good as last year. So, you know what? They lost. Aww. But let's not remember how they lost. They lost in dramatic fashion at the very end. So they actually had a chance to pull that out. And barely, barely lost that game. So that's not exactly a devastating loss, okay? Let's, let's cut them a break there. Second loss. They lost to Minnesota. Again, top two defense. Possibly the best defense in the NFL. Was a stinger because they lost at home. But again we know that their defense now having lost josh norman is not as good as it was last year and minnesota's defense is much improved so that's not exactly a horrible loss and they didn't and they didn't exactly get destroyed either the most recent loss divisional game against atlanta the atlanta falcons matt ryan led atlanta falcons it was a bad loss it didn't look that good stats alone made that game look horrible and like a horrible loss matt ryan threw 500 yards, over 500 yards of ovens by Matty Ice. That's crazy. There's totally ice in his veins. Matty Ice, not now, not never, forever. Yeah, Matty Ice, 500 yards. Julio Jones, 300 yards of receiving. Some quarterbacks throw less than 300 yards in a game. Julio Jones got 300 yards all by himself. That's wild. Records being set all over a definitely uh, mediocre Carolina Panthers secondary without Josh Norman but again that's a loss to Atlanta who seemingly at the moment may have the best offense in the NFL let's analyze these three losses by the Carolina Panthers two losses to the two top defenses in the league and another loss to the best what could be the best offense in the league and let's not forget at the very end with the backup quarterback they actually had an opportunity uh to make it a close game or even to pull out a win up until Derek Anderson threw a pick and it iced it. But like I said, let's not freak out. So all you Carolina Panthers fans out there, everybody in Charlotte, don't freak out. It's going to be okay. What's going on? Next up, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on in Arizona? Everybody in Arizona, don't panic. Unless, of course, Carson Palmer is out for a long term because he just suffered a concussion. Then you know what? You could panic, you know. Drew Stanton, Drew, MSU guy, but uh, he's no Carson Palmer. Come on. Come on, guys. But if Carson Palmer is able to come back, which Bruce Arians just said that he's making good steps, good progress towards recovering from this concussion, who knows if he'll play on Thursday? Probably not. Drew's probably going to have to get the start there. So that makes that game against the 49ers in San Francisco a tougher game than it should have been. But let's not panic. A one and three start with the Arizona Cardinals, a team that everybody thought was going to be good, possibly Super Bowl contending team. But again, just like we did with the Carolina Panthers, let's analyze some of these losses, right? Okay. Loss number one, they played New England. Granted, it was a backup quarterback, but Garoppolo looked pretty good. And New England does have the best coach in the NFL, possibly of all time, and possibly of all sports. Bill Belichick's a genius, as we discussed last episode on the Koozie, Show. the Koozie Show. So that's an excusable loss. Loss number two. They had to travel across the country from Arizona to Buffalo to take on a desperate Buffalo Bills team. Which again, fired their offensive coordinator and totally pivoted in the right direction. And they just happened to pivot all over the Arizona Cardinals. And then loss number three was an unfortunate loss. Divisional game against the Rams this past week. However, the Rams actually are currently leading the division. Weird. Really feels weird that they're leading the division. It sounds so weird. The Rams are leading the division, especially after their awful week one performance. But you know what they are? They're leading the division. And it shouldn't be all that surprising. Maybe surprising that they're leading the division, but not surprising that they're a halfway decent team. Because last year they had a pretty decent defense and a strong defensive line. And you couple that with... The running game of Todd Gurley. Once Case Keenum got back there, they actually finished the season somewhat respectable. And you would think that that team would then, as long as they progressed and you know took, took some pride upon their individual performance, would actually get better and improve in the offseason. And you know what? They did. Whoa, unbelievable. They're, they've made improvements and now leading the division. So it's actually not that weird. The weirdest part is that they're in LA. So that's three losses for the Arizona Cardinals. Again, against a genius Bill Belichick, against the pivoting, desperate Buffalo Bills team, traveled all the way across the country, away game, and against the Rams, an improved Rams team. So don't panic, because it's very possible within the next two weeks, the Arizona Cardinals could get back to 500. They play the 49ers this coming weekend, and then next week they play the New York Jets, possibly get back to 3-3 three and three before they then play Seattle, who's a little bit banged up, at home. Another divisional game where they may have the advantage of being at home. So if they could do that, there's no reason to panic at all. See, that sounds better, right? You could be 500, then take on Seattle. Doesn't sound so bad, does it? Come on, calm down. Oh, here's a little fun tidbit of information. Later down the stretch, for all you Arizona Cardinals fans out there, three weeks in a row, you take on New Orleans, who we talked about, coaches on the hot seat. Not a good team. You take on Washington, another team that's not very good. Very mediocre. And then you take on Miami. Ugh. Ugh. Three garbage teams all in a row right a trio of terrible opponents to then build some momentum and lead you into two divisional games for which you end the season on again playing the rams and playing the niners so don't panic it's going to be closer probably than you wanted ideally after having done so well last season but it's definitely not the end of the world you don't need to panic things are still looking pretty good so we're four weeks in. We're what four four weeks? What is that? Hold on, math. Beep, 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 beep. That's a quarter of the NFL season. It's time to decide who's doing the best and who's doing the worst. Beep, 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 beep. What is the best AFC division so far? Beep, 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 beep. The AFC West. No Brock Osweiler. No Peyton Manning. And the San Diego Chargers are still in the AFC West, but somehow they're the best division in the AFC because Denver is undefeated at the moment. Oakland. This young Oakland Raiders squad led by Derek Carr, my man Chris Racecup's favorite player, Fresno State alum, Derek Carr. And the Oakland Raiders, they're 3-1. Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, yeah. That was Andy Reid. I was, I did that for Andy Reid. I don't know. You know, they say he's looks like the Kool-Aid man in that large red jacket. That's what they say, Andy. The Kansas City Chiefs, they're 2-2, two two, okay? San Diego, they're the bottom of the barrel of that division they're 1 and 3. Their coaches is on the hot seat. But again, they were also plagued by uh two pretty big injuries. Keenan Allen going down for the season and uh Danny Woodhead down for uh, out for the rest of the season. You know, two of their probably three best players out for the whole season, so that's uh that's a tough one to recover from. AFC West best division. Who's the worst? Oh my gosh, let's be negative. I love being negative. It's the best. Who's the worst division in the AFC so far? Is this really a surprise? It's the AFC South. The AFC South is horrible. It's a terrible division. Not only is it the worst division in the AFC, probably... Hold on, let me do this, let me do this. Hey, why don't you uh, start the fire? Pull yourself a nice little glass of red. south is the worst division in the nfl absolutely terrible houston's leading the division at three and one they're three and one and good for them but they're really not that good they're all right everyone else in the afc south is one and three jacksonville just as we talked about coaches on the hot seat indianapolis just as we talked about coaches on the hot seat tennessee also one and three not very good really young quarterback and they're still rebuilding Ugh, they're worse. They're the worst. Jacksonville's only win came against Indianapolis. Tennessee's only win came against Detroit, another team whose coach is on the hot seat and is garbage. And then Indianapolis's only win came against San Diego. It's almost like all the horrible teams are just beating each other. That's the whole reason that there's a bunch of teams out there that are not 0-4, like the Cleveland Browns. So Cleveland, don't feel so bad. Okay, moving on. Moving on to the NFC. Who's the best division in the NFC so far? Boop, 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 boop. Look, this comes as a shock to me and it's really weird. And I'm only saying it because the statistics say so. I say no, but the stat- the statistics say so. Okay. The NFC East. The Carson Wentz-led Philadelphia Eagles are 3 and 0 and now coming off a of bye week, about to play a terrible Detroit Lions team and probably be 4 and 0. Crazy. Right? Coming up just behind them, the Dallas Cowboys. They're 3-1. Dak Prescott's looking like a halfway decent replacement for Tony Romo and possibly the future of the franchise. And they're 3-1. They're okay. Are they outstanding? No, but they're alright. They're somewhat of a well-balanced team. Not exactly exceptional in any one facet or another, but doing just enough. And they're rallying behind this rookie and they're getting it done at 3-1. The New York Giants, after getting their posteriors handed to them by the Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football, the New York Giants are now 2-2. Two and two. They're not all that good. I think they're going to take a turn for the worst later on in the season. Just like the Washington Redskins. Again, 2-2, two and two, but they're not all that good. One of the reasons they're 2-2, two and two, they played the Browns. Okay, That's a win. That's a win for them. They played the Browns. So again, the NFC East is winning the divisional battle by default. Philadelphia is legit. Dallas is okay, and the other teams, they're not good, and they're not terrible. Little tidbit, little fun fact, little tidbit information. Uh, The NFC West, they're still good, but Arizona is underachieving at the moment, and that should pick up. So by the end of the season, probably the best division in uh, the NFC will be the West, like we all thought it should be. Worst NFC division so far. Again, this just feels weird. The NFC South. Weird, huh? The statistics say so, I say no, but the statistics say so. Atlanta, 3 one they're the prize of the division so far, and everyone else, 1-3, very similar to the AFC South. What's going on in the South? However, the NFC South is sneaky good. Atlanta, the prize of the division, they're totally legitimate, possibly the best offense in the NFL, at least for the moment. Matty Ice, Julio Jones. Pretty awesome. Carolina's still good. Just as I talked about before. Don't panic. Their season's going to pick up. They played two of the toughest defenses and Atlanta, who has, just as I mentioned, one of the top offenses in the NFL. So they're going to get... Their season's going to pick up. So that's going to change. Tampa Bay. A young Tampa Bay team. They started out 1-3, but they also faced a really tough schedule early. They lost to a Rams team that, again is a little bit better than probably a lot of people expected. Also lost to a Denver Broncos team, top-tier defense. And then they lost to an Arizona team, which record says they're not that good. But however, as I just mentioned, they're better than they appear to be. And so Atlanta has a little easier schedule coming up. They face some of their rougher matchups ahead. And so I think they'll they'll pick up. They'll, They'll be one of those teams that ends about 500. They're going to be about 8-8, but they're not going to be 3-13 or anything tragic. Okay? So there you have it. Worst NFC division, the NFC South. Best NFC division, the NFC East. Okay. Now, unfortunately, it's that good old time again. Time to talk about something that just does nothing but fill your heart with rage. Let's talk about the Detroit football. Kittens? Oh my goodness. Deja vu. Week four has arrived for the second year in a row. And seemingly, it feels as though the Detroit football Lions season is over. May the 2016 Lions season rest in peace. But we still got to get to the particulars and talk about it. Stafford? Ugh. He had the worst game of the season so far. Worst game he's had in a long time. He definitely wasn't helped by the rest of the team. I'll just say that. I'm actually not going to place a huge amount of blame on Matt Stafford. Because I still feel like, encompassing the entire four weeks, that no one's trying harder to win than Matthew Stafford. He really wants to win. He came into the season in great shape. The best shape I've seen him in coming to into any season that he's had thus far. And he's really doing a fairly good job up until this past week of spreading the ball around, finding different ways to win. But here's the thing. He's not exactly getting tons of help. Lots of drops, penalty upon penalty. So many holding penalties. It's outrageous. This is what I talked about. It's infuriating. And you know what? I would be really mad, just like I was last week. But I know the season's over. So there's nothing to get mad about anymore. Now, the only thing that can infuriate me more would be if Bob Quinn, the GM, did not fire Jim Caldwell. But just as I was talking about, Eric Ebron is a jerk. Again, more drops for Eric Ebron. He's given up on blocks. It's just bad. The offensive line's not looking good. Granted, they're young. But on top of being young, they're getting penalties. I can't place all the blame on Matthew. Okay? Oh, yeah. And here's another fun fact. Matthew Stafford doesn't play on defense, and the defense is trash. The defense just made Brian Hoyer, the Chicago Bears' backup quarterback, granted probably one of the better backups in the league, but still a backup quarterback, look like a phenomenal fantasy pickup. He made him look like, they made him look like a stud. Brian Hoyer threw over 300 yards, 302 to be exact, and for two touchdowns. Oh, yeah, here's another thing. No turnovers, no picks, no fumbles. The defense, the Detroit Lions defense, created zero turnovers against the Chicago Bears team that is in the bottom barrel of the league. Zero. With a backup quarterback. With a third string running back. Zero turnovers. The defense still, because of this zero, after four weeks has only one turnover for the entire year. That is horrible. That's awful. To make it even worse, do you know who we played the first four weeks? We played the Indianapolis Colts, which again, we just talked about. coaches on the hot seat. One of the worst teams in the league. We played the Tennessee Titans, a team that's rebuilding, has no business beating the Detroit Lions. We got destroyed by Green Bay. That's fine. You know that's understandable. Destroyed by Green Bay and Lambeau, I'll give you, the, you know, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you a pass on that. But now we just, now they just got beat by the Chicago Bears, a terrible, beat up Chicago Bears team. Those are the teams that we've only gotten one turnover against. Garbage teams. What does that mean? Garbage teams. What does that mean? It means the Detroit Lions are a dumpster fire. <laughs> that thing is ablaze and it's getting out of control. I can't blame Matthew Stafford because he's not getting the drops. He doesn't play on defense, and he's not running the wrong routes. Which brings us to a subplot within the disarray that is the Detroit Football Lions. What in the world is going on with Golden Tate? At the start of this season, everybody knew Calvin Johnson announced his retirement. So that left a void at the number one receiver position. The Lions then went out and signed Marvin Jones Jr., So the conversation was, who's going to be the number one receiver? Is it going to be Marvin Jones Jr., who was playing in the shadow of A.J. Green in Cincinnati? Or is it going to be Golden Tate, who was playing in the shadow of Calvin Johnson, previously in Detroit? Nobody wanted to make any claims. It's sort of a shared number one, they kept saying. And I don't know what's going on with Golden Tate. His season so far is awful. In the last three games, Golden Tate only has seven receptions. For a guy who should have been competing, who allegedly was competing for the number one receiver position, only has seven receptions in the last three games. That's crazy. Something's going on with him. I don't know if he's all butthurt because uh, he's not the number one receiver because Marvin Jones is clearly outperforming him over the course of this season thus far, but that is unacceptable. And then the most egregious thing happened this past week against Chicago. The Lions are down against the Chicago Bears, seven to six, right? There's less than 30 seconds left. Lions are within field goal range. What are they gonna try to do? They got enough time to try to run another 10 yard out, maybe gain a few extra yards in order to make the field goal a little less daunting for Matt Prater. They call the out, which Stafford clearly calls. The ball is snapped, he drops back, and he goes to throw the out route in which Golden Tate is supposed to run effortlessly. The ball is thrown. (laughs) Where is Golden Tate? He's not there! Where is he? Waiting in line at Starbucks for a double mocha latte? He ran a route straight up field. It's like he ran a post route. He ran straight up the field. Nothing remotely close to resembling an out route. You know who's expecting that out route? Because why wouldn't they? A defensive back. The Chicago Bears intercept the ball, and that prevents the Lions from going into halftime with the lead and going into the second half with the lead, and then receiving the kick with momentum. That's horrible. Golden Tate ran the wrong route. He ran the wrong route at one of the most crucial moments in the game. He then later appeared to get benched by the coaching staff, which would be a ballsy and good move by the coaching staff because when a player is just a detriment to the team, they should be punished in the same way you punish a child. If a child is disobedient, must punish that child so they know that they're doing something wrong and there's consequences to their actions. But then to make it worse, when the media asked Jim Caldwell about it, he completely denied that they benched Golden Tate. He instead lied, made up an excuse, which was completely false, that they intended to put Andre Roberts in there the whole time. Oh, it was they wanted to work him in. Yeah, it was part of the game plan. We had anticipated working in uh, Andre, Andre Roberts. Uh, Yeah, throughout the game. Oh, did you? Did you really do that? That's just false. You're a liar. I said before that you were a nice old man, but you know what nice old men don't do? Lie. Why are you lying? Why don't you just tell us how it is? It's not throwing somebody under the bus who is clearly messing up, acknowledging the fact that he did mess up and you punished him for it. Uh, There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. It's not like snitches get stitches out here. Jim Caldwell, come on, bud. Which brings me to my next topic, which we visited last week in our last week's episode, and we uh, have to visit it again. Much to my dismay, the Detroit football kittens, because they're clearly not lions. They're not worthy of lions. They're just little kittens. You gotta be worthy. You gotta earn the right to be called a wild jungle cat, like a lion. You know what you are? You're just a bunch of kittens. Hence the Detroit football kittens. We have to talk about the Detroit football kittens Firing Jim Caldwell. I went into a big rant last week about how he should have been fired last season, and it's true, he should have, but he wasn't. But this is the second season in a row where the season feels like it's basically over before the halfway point. Last season, last season, the Lions started 0-5. This season, they're starting 1-3 against lackluster competition. Again, losses coming to Tennessee. Green Bay, to be expected. A beat-up Chicago team. The only victory... Which was a narrow victory at that against a terrible Indianapolis Colts team. Okay? Bob Quinn, first year GM for the Detroit Lions, gave Jim Caldwell an opportunity this season. Gave him the benefit of the doubt, gave him a shot. Uh, with ownership holding a gun to his head, might I add. Gave Jim Caldwell one chance to prove himself as the right head coach for this football team. And you know what? He's failed. F. Look, if I could give Jim Caldwell a report card, I'd have one of those huge big stamps that you always see on TV, and it would just be like, boom, F, because you failed, bro. It's over. I would absolutely love it if Bob Quinn fired Jim Caldwell right now and gave Jim Bob Cooter the head coaching position. Hashtag Jim Bob 2020. I've heard other people say they should give it to Terrell Austin, but as I just discussed, Terrell Austin's defense has been atrocious ever since they lost Okay, In 2014, they had the number two defense with Sue. They lost Sue last year, All right, took a step back to 18. This year, they're plummeted to probably the worst defense. Granted, they don't have Ziggy Anza, but is that how your defense is supposed to operate? You lose one pass rusher and you become probably the worst defense in the league? That's awful. So I wouldn't give it to Terrell Austin because of that. And that's probably why other teams which he's interviewed with for head coaching positions, haven't given him that job either. But let's give it to Jim Bob, right? He can have a similar role uh, with the Lions as Mike McCarthy does for Green Bay. Mike McCarthy is the head coach for Green Bay. He still calls all the plays. So if that is an issue, Jim Bob can still be the head coach and call all the plays, just like Mike McCarthy for the Green Bay Packers, right? But again, I'm not the GM. So I mean, either way, whether it's the middle of the season or the end of the season, he gone. Goodbye, Jim Caldwell. May you live long and prosper. Godspeed. All right, looking ahead to next week, the Detroit Football Kittens are going to take on the Philadelphia Eagles in Week 5 at home. Now, in preseason, looking at the schedule, I thought this was going to be a win. I thought this was like, oh, chalk it up. Chalk it up, buds. Here we go. Nice little home game against the Eagles franchise. That's in utter disarray. This is definitely a win. Woo! I don't feel that way now. I do not feel that way now. This does not feel like a win. Carson Wentz looks like the second coming of Hercules. Now, Carson Wentz has the Philadelphia Eagles looking really good. He hasn't thrown an interception all year, they're undefeated. Not to mention, they're coming off a bye week. So they've actually had an extra week to study this horrible Detroit Football Lions team. Carson Wentz is going to be a boss. If you don't have Carson Wentz on your fantasy team and he's available in your league, you should probably go pick him up. He's playing the Detroit football Lions defense, and they're terrible. So he's going to throw it all over the place. Brian Hoyer just had 300 yards and two touchdowns, which I talked about earlier. What do you think Carson Wentz is going to do? He's going to throw it everywhere. Darren Sproles, Matthews, if he's healthy, and Smallwood, all running backs for the Philadelphia Eagles, and all of them are going to have pretty good days against the terrible Detroit Lions defense not to mention they're playing indoors in a dome so they might run all over the place i expect sproles to have a huge game and i hope he does because he's on my team oops bingo but that's how i feel about week five against the philadelphia eagles the detroit lions are going to lose they're going to go to 0-4 mm, they might fire jim caldwell and uh, darren sproles and carson wentz are going to have a big day against these detroit football lions Kinda of depressing, but that's gonna do it for this week's edition of The Detroit Football <laughs> Kittens? So let's talk about something in Detroit that's a little less depressing than the Detroit Football Lions. Detroit Basketball! Yeah, the Stones, the Pistons, the Detroit Reggie Jacksons. Great news. Preseason starts Thursday. This Thursday in Brooklyn at 7:30. It's not gonna be televised, or at least locally anyway, but Preseason games that will be home preseason games will be streamed uh, at Pistons.com. So what can you look forward to? It's been a while since we've talked about the Stones and we've had some real action. All the dramatics of the offseason have died down. And right now we're in the midst of training camp. Some fun talking points that come out of media day and training camp thus far. Everyone on the Stones. Every single player. Including Stan Van is talking about either the Eastern Conference Finals or some are so bold, Stanley Johnson, the NBA Finals. I haven't heard talk like this since the going-to-work Pistons. It's been a long time. These guys are amped, they're motivated, and they feel excited. Even the guys that just got there, like Ish Smith. Ish Smith just showed up. He basically just hopped off the bus. It was like, oh, yeah, we're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Okay. Oh, my God, I can't wait. As a fan, I'm very excited. There's a lot to be excited about. Why wouldn't I be excited? Fun note from training camp. Stan Van Gundy thought when they got John Lure, it was more for offensive purposes to make them versatile on offense because he's a stretch four or five. But, Andy thought he was an average defender. But it turns out Stan Van Gundy has been very impressed with uh, John Lure's, uh defensive prowess thus far in training camp. Actually a better defender than what he thought. Thought he was average, and now it seems like he may be a good defender. An above average to good defender. Which is great. That bodes well for us defensively. Yay! Wow! What else? Tobias Harris has took it upon himself to concentrate this offseason on defense. He wants to become a better defender, which is great. Because that's how you win. Just like in football, defense wins championships. You gotta be a, a great defensive team. The Spurs, phenomenal defensive teams. Gotta have good footwork, be defensive leaders, juggernauts. Even the Golden State Warriors, they play really good defense. They have outstanding offense, obviously, but that offense alone is not what puts them over the top. It's their defense. Otherwise, they'd just be like throwback Phoenix Suns. The Suns were an amazing team to watch. But they couldn't play defense to save their lives. Tobias Harris has took it upon himself to improve his defense this summer. And he's actually performing the best in one-on-one defensive drills thus far in training camp. So no one's performing better on defense in one-on-one drills than Tobias Harris. And he's having to take on guys like John Lure. He's having to take on Marcus Morris and Stanley Johnson. All different challenges defensively. And he is the one that's performing the best. That's good news. Great job, Tobias. Round of applause. Fun fact to come out of media day, everybody knew that Andre Drummond had to work on getting his free throws better, right? And he had said that we're exploring all options. Him and Stan Van Gundy had said they're exploring all options and that Drummond was open to trying anything. Turns out he's trying some VR, some virtual reality. I don't exactly know the particulars of it, but I know that one of their main techniques for getting Andre Drummond to hopefully be better at the free throw line, perform better at free throws is using virtual reality glasses. about a few different things. He puts on the glasses and he's able to look at him shooting free throws in uh, first-person view. He's able to look at them for third-person, different angles, to see exactly what he's doing, whether it be right or wrong. Uh, also, he has mentioned that trying to get to a better mental state because before which in most cases for young players you miss a free throw especially when you have a reputation of being bad at free throws that negative energy is then going to linger with you throughout for at least the next shot if not throughout the uh, entirety of the game negatively affect your free throw percentage throughout a whole game Ooh. so hopefully this uh, virtual reality experiment is going to work with Andre Drummond and he's going to get better at Shooting free throws. Because right now Andre Drummond top 5 center in the league. But you know what? If he can get his free throw shooting percentage up to respectability. And then his offensive game takes a step forward. I'm just I'm just saying. It's not exactly like there's a ton of centers ton of in the league. Might be between uh, him and Boogie Cousins duking it out for number one. Yeah. What else is happening in training camp? Oh yeah. Before we move away from uh, Andre Drummond. Listen. I just saw two outstanding clips that he posted on Instagram. One where he got a rebound at the very end of his scrimmage. Launched it from uh, the opposite free throw line. Game. Blouses. Yeah, he made it. It was awesome. And then I just saw one today where he posted uh, at the end of the shot clock, he had to do a fadeaway from the elbow. Turnaround fadeaway jumper. Andre Drummond drained it. Nothing but net. Game. Blouses. I'm only saying that because those. that's what he always puts in his caption. I love it. Shout out Dave Chappelle. Woo, Dave. All right, what else is going on in training camp? Big story out of training camp and media day is that the Pistons have an incredibly versatile roster with their new additions. With Ish Smith, with John Luehr, and even with the drafting of Henry. Henry Ellison. Very versatile. They can match up, it seems like, with any particular type of uh, offense that gets thrown at them. Versatility is the key here. They've even been saying that Ish Smith has been practicing with playing with Reggie Jackson, something that was never happening before, having Ish at the one and moving Reggie to the two. So in very critical situations at the end of the game, it might be better to have Reggie Jackson at the shooting guard position. Uh, He's one of our more capable scorers, and he's also one of our better three-point shooters. So why not put the ball in Ish's hands and let him create and dump it to Reggie? Who might be off open in the wing. Let's get a couple more ball handlers out there. Come on. Very versatile. They got Sally Johnson playing the 2, 3, and 4. And they got John Luehr playing the 4 and 5. Very versatile roster. Going to be great. Look, I'm excited. I'm excited. I wish it was October 26 already. Because that's game one of the regular season against Toronto. Versatility. Here we go. Look, I'm excited. And I should be. Because I'm a Detroit fan first and foremost. Okay? And this is an exciting time to be a Detroit fan. Really exciting time. Young team about to take a big step forward. At least that's what I think and that's what a lot of locals think. But the nation doesn't necessarily think so. Some writers, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, they have them bumping up a little. They're giving them a little credit. But oh, but you know who's not giving them any credit? Vegas. Vegas isn't giving the Pistons any credit. You know what the total wins were last year for the Detroit Pistons? 44 wins. They got 44 wins last year. That was with Steve Blake as their backup point guard. That was with making a midseason trade, picking up Tobias Harris, losing uh, Urson Ilyasova. 44 wins. You know what Vegas has the Pistons getting this year? I'll wait. Fine, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Spoiler alert. Not a huge jump from 44 to 45 and a half. They think that the Pistons are only going to get one and a half games better than last season. I just think that's fraudulent. If I was a betting man, wait, I'm a betting man. I just had my father-in-law put a bet in for me the other day. I'm taking the over on that. Come on, they only got to get two more wins than they did last year? Uh, Considering that they're probably not going to make any mid-season moves this year, which will be the first time in two years that they won't have made a mid-season trade. This team is definitely more than capable of getting two more wins than last year. Absolutely more capable. Not to mention one of their biggest faults last year was that their bench wasn't that good. They had a rookie in Stanley Johnson, an old man in Steve Blake, and the second coming of John Sally and Anthony Tolliver. I love Anthony, but it's true. Looked just like John Sally. Now they got Ish Smith instead of Steve Blake. Nice little upgrade. If nothing else, it's an upgrade uh, due to his athletic prowess for Ish Smith. And then an upgrade from Anthony Tolliver, the second coming of John Sally, to John Lure making the team much more versatile. And not to mention, instead of a rookie in Stanley Johnson, you have a second-year player in Stanley Johnson, who's also seemed to make improvements this offseason, getting some more lift on his shot building on his de- his already very good defensive game and working on his left hand. So, by default, but by the improvement of Stanley Johnson and the acquisition of Ish and John, the bench is automatically going to get better. The bottom line is they're going to win at least two more games than they did last year. Absolutely. What else? To win the NBA championship, far-fetched, yes. Far-fetched, yes. But you want to know what Vegas thinks? 150 to 1. That's a lot, buds. That is so much. Listen, you got 10 bucks? You going to Las Vegas? Why don't you throw $10 on that? You win $1,500. Awesome, that's awesome. Look, I I probably wouldn't take that bet because finals is a stretch. But to win the Eastern Conference Finals, Vegas has them at 40 to one. I am gonna take that bet. Are the Cavs probably gonna get back to the finals? Sure. But the Pistons played the Cavs really tough last year. I know what everyone's going to say. Oh, they got swept. But they lost by an average of six points. And it was an embattled embattled series, an incredibly competitive series, not indicative of your traditional NBA sweep. Now, with the improvements that they have made, they can play the Cavaliers that much tougher. Oh, yeah. And let's not mention that the Cavaliers didn't really get any better in the offseason. They picked up Mike Dunleavy, and that's about it. LeBron James, also a year older. And let's not mention that LeBron James summoned every ounce of adrenaline he possibly had in order to win an NBA championship last year for the Cleveland Cavaliers in the city of Cleveland. He doesn't have that same motivation as he did last year. And he's a year older. So I actually think that the Cavaliers are going to be worse this year than they were last year. By default, winning the Eastern Conference Championship, likely, no, Out of the realm of possibilities? No. 40 to 1. I'm going to throw 20 bucks on it. Yeah! $800. Do it. Last tidbit of information on the Stones. And probably the biggest news if you're a Metro Detroiter. The Pistons are moving downtown. Is it official? Not yet. But it's a very real possibility and it's a lot closer than it's ever been. Before it was always... Hey, are you guys going to move downtown? Have you thought about moving downtown? And there was a lot of passive, well, you know, we'll keep our eyes open. Nobody wanted to admit to anything. But right now, it just came out this weekend that the Pistons are in advanced talks to build a 60,000 square foot practice facility in the downtown area. And that is all contingent on the deal being made For them to share the Little Caesars Arena, which is currently being constructed in downtown Detroit, with the Detroit Red Wings. Now, presuming that that deal gets done, the 2016 season could be the absolute last season the Detroit Pistons play in the Palace of Auburn Hills. How interesting. 2016 could be the last year that Jim Caldwell coaches a Detroit Lions football game. And it could be the last year that the Detroit Pistons play a regular season game In the Palace of Auburn Hills. We'll check back in uh, on the Detroit Pistons uh, a little later in preseason. And that's going to do it for... DETROIT BASKETBALL! And now for our next segment. Waiver Wire. Which one is it? You must choose. Choose wisely. It's week five. Time to separate the fantasy men from the fantasy boys. Who's out there on waivers? The injury bug has struck several teams, especially with running backs. It's time to see who's out there, make a reach for, in order to uh, shore up the ranks of your fantasy squad. Let's start with running backs. Terrence West of the Baltimore Ravens, available in 70% of Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. Last week, uh, a four-set was a scratch. And Terrence West got the start. 113 yards and a touchdown. Not to mention, the coach says they're sticking with him. Dixon's going to be playing this week as well. They're outstanding rookie, but Dixon is coming off of a knee injury, and so he's still not going to take away that many carries from Terrence West, at least uh, for the next few weeks to come. Terrence West, not available in your particular league. Maybe you can take a reach for Wendell Smallwood. Wendell plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. He took over for Matthews when Matthews injured a few weeks back Philadelphia is coming off the bye week so he may still be available nobody wanted to take a reach with a waiver and pick up a guy who was on a bye So Wendell may be available because he's currently available in 85% of Yahoo fantasy leagues not to mention he did pretty well in Matthews absence racking up uh, 79 yards and a touchdown for the Philadelphia. And Philadelphia does have a favorable matchup going against an absolutely awful Detroit Lions defense this coming week. Wide receivers. Robert Woods for Buffalo. Available 90% of fantasy leagues. Sammy Watkins is on IR. Now, Robert Woods is their number one receiver. Is he an elite number one receiver? No, but he's number one by default and therefore led the team last week in targets. 10 targets, 7 receptions, 89 yards. They're going to keep feeding Robert Woods as long as Sammy Watkins is on IR. Another interesting receiver possibility, Eddie Royal. Eddie Royal plays for a terrible Chicago Bears team, but he's available in 85% of Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. Not to mention, Alshon's a little banged up. Eddie also seemed to be building some chemistry with Brian Hoyer, These Chicago Bears' Backup quarterback who is currently starting and may start in the he may start for the foreseeable future because Jay Cutler might be on his way out. Last week, Eddie Royal had 111 yards and a touchdown against again a terrible Detroit Lions defense. However, they're also going to be playing against some lackluster defenses in the next two weeks, playing the Colts this coming week and Jacksonville the following week. So, if you're strapped at receiver, you might want to take a stab at Eddie Royal. Now we move to tight end. Does anyone know Hunter Henry? He's a hero in the world of Marvel. I'm just kidding. He's not. He's a tight end. He's a tight end for the San Diego Chargers, taking over for an injured Antonio Gates. Very productive performance in the absence of Antonio. Scored a touchdown last week. And he's also going to be playing a lackluster defense in Oakland this coming week. Hunter Henry, possibly a good pickup on your waiver wire. For a tight end. If you're strapped at tight end. Okay. Normally you should be all set with your quarterback situation. This far into fantasy. However. If you're strapped. Or you got a guy in a bye week. Like Blake Bortles for instance. And you need to go get somebody. Carson Wentz is still available in 60% of Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. He's coming off a bye week. And he's also playing a terrible Detroit football Lions defense. And just to refresh your memory. Carson Wentz week three play the Pittsburgh Steelers 300 yards and two touchdowns again no interceptions no interceptions throughout the year so those are some guys that are available on waiver wire which one is it you must choose choose wisely now it's time for this week's edition of NFL pick'em fuck you fuck you you're cool <laughs> You, I'm out. Week five is upon us. First matchup Arizona at San Francisco. Really hard matchup to pick. It's going to be a close game. I'm leaning towards San Francisco only because they're the home team. If Carson Palmer was playing, I'd go with Arizona. However, I don't think he's going to be back in time due to that game being on a Thursday night. Drew Stanton is going to be starting at quarterback, and I just don't know if he's going to get the job done. So I'm going to go with the Niners at home. I'm taking San Francisco. New England at Cleveland. Cleveland's awful. Not to mention, this is Tom Brady's first game back. The revenge of Brady is upon us in week five. We're going to England, of course. Philadelphia versus Detroit. I've been talking about it all episode. I'm taking Philadelphia. Uh The Lions are awful. The Colts versus Chicago. This is also a tough game. Chicago, not that great. But the Colts are also really bad. I'm going to give it to the Colts only because they're at home. Miami, in Miami, versus Tennessee. Miami is another one of those teams that's really bad. Ryan Tannehill is done in Miami. I think the Tannehill era is over in Miami. I'm going to go with Tennessee and Mariota. Not to mention, Tennessee has a better running game. And I think probably a better defense. Houston at Minnesota. We're going Minnesota. Come on. They're the number two defense there at home. We're going Minnesota. Pittsburgh. Against the New York Jets. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. In Pittsburgh. I'm going Pittsburgh. Come on. Big Ben. Antonio Brown. Fire up chips. Baltimore versus Washington in Baltimore. This is going to be a pretty even game. But I'm going to give it to the home team. I'm going Baltimore. Atlanta at Denver. Atlanta's really hot right now. Coming off that big win. Granted, they're going to be playing in the Mile High City. But I think... That offense is ultimately going to overpower Denver's outstanding defense. The offense of Atlanta just looked really good last week. And I think Denver's due for a loss. They can't go undefeated forever. Go with Atlanta. Cincinnati at Dallas. I'm going to go with Cincinnati. Tough game for Cincinnati. But this is going to be a real test for Dallas. Probably one of their more intense matchups that they've had thus far. Go with Cincinnati. Oakland against San Diego in Oakland. I'm going with the Raiders because the Chargers are in disarray. The LA Rams at home against the Buffalo Bills. Rex Ryan's got these Buffalo Bills rearing and ready to go. They've pivoted. They're making this stride, and they're going to take out this Rams team. I'm going to go with the Bills. Green Bay at home taking on the New York Giants. The G-Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with Green Bay. Come on. Aaron Rodgers, discount double check. Last matchup of the week, Carolina at home against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is probably going to be a closer game than most people imagine. But I'm going to lean Carolina. They're at home. They're also feeling a bit embarrassed after the Atlanta Falcons set all kinds of records all over them. I'm going to go with Carolina. And that does it for this week's edition of NFL Pick'em. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you. I'm out. That's the end of my episode. I got you caught up. I got you up to speed. Thanks for listening to The Koozie Show. The Koozie Show. I'll see you next time. Adios. Cheers. I said, say I am not scared. Look out, man. The Koozie the Show. Koozie Show.